0: Our reading from scripture today is Psalm 147, found on page 981 in your pew Bibles. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the exiles of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the straw and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, for He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends the command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. The reading from the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. And that's found on page 1504 in your pews. <clears throat> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: I'm I'm not adept in sign language. What's this mean, gentlemen? How's that? Can you hear me? You all can hear me. I don't know if they can hear me through the sound. Voice, no? Hello, no mic. How about now? No? Don't you love this? When it works, it's wonderful. How about now? Good. Is that good? good? All right. Thank you, God, for technology. I prayed with my fingers crossed. Let us pray. God, we open our hearts to you this morning expectantly, knowing and believing that you will meet us, that you will come to us, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can leave this place different than when we came in. God, I pray that each one here would have that expectation to encounter you in a real way. God, move in us and through us, through our singing, through our praying, through the hearing and proclaiming of Scripture. May it all be for your glory and for our good. And all of God's people said, Amen. I came across a little joke this week I have to share with you. Every now and then, people forward me, pastor jokes or church jokes, and I tell them, you know, if you send that to me, there's a good chance it'll end up in a sermon. And they always say, oh, I know. Yeah, okay. An elderly pastor was searching his closet for a tie before church on one Sunday morning. In the back of the closet, he found a small box containing three eggs and 100 $1 bills. He called his wife into the closet to ask her about the box and its contents. Embarrassed, she admitted to having hidden the box for the entire 30 years of marriage. Disappointed and hurt, the pastor asked her, Why did you do that? Well, the wife replied that she hadn't wanted to hurt his feelings. He asked how the box could hurt his feelings. She said that every time during their marriage that he delivered a poor sermon, she put an egg in the box. Well, the pastor felt that three poor sermons in 30 years was really nothing to feel bad about. So he asked her what the $100 was for. She replied, each time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them to the neighbor for a (laughs) dollar. My, my. I, I hope this week that when I return perhaps from my office to my parsonage, There's not eggs sitting on my front doorstep. So friends, last week we introduced stewardship. That stewardship uh, much more than sort of just being that time of the year where churches talk about money and giving and ask for people to turn over their pockets and give more. Stewardship really is a question of identity. It's a question of identity. Who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ and who we understand ourselves to be in the world in relationship to God and to each other. And I think if we don't first start with that fundamental premise, then any treatment of stewardship will be short-sighted and shallow. Because we have to go deep and look at some of the principles on which stewardship is built. And as you recall last week, in the word stewardship is steward. Stewarding, which implies responsibility, care, having been entrusted with something, remember our parable of the manager who entrusted talents, that unit of financial measurement to three different uh, employees, just as they were entrusted, we are entrusted with with time, with skills and interests and and financial resources, everything we are all that we have, our our relationships, everything about us should be wrapped up, taken up into stewardship. That all we have is a gift. Everything. The breath that we breathe right now, our bodies, our families, our friends, our jobs, our finances, everything about us, it's all a gift. And so because it's a gift, We have a responsibility to manage and to steward it well. So that's sort of a a definition of stewardship. And and I hope that you can start to approach stewardship with an understanding that there is so much that supports stewardship. There are some real biblical truths and values that undergird it that we need to be mindful of as we approach what it means To be a good steward. Well today, next week, and then on October 30th, we're going to look at a concept kind of related to stewardship. And today, maybe you got this from uh, the readings that Judy offered from the Psalm and from Matthew chapter 6. This is our concept for today to talk about stewardship. Security. Security. I think there's a fundamental need for all of us to feel secure. Whether that's in a relationship with someone, with our our children, with finances, with a job, with with housing. All of us have this desire for security, don't we? We we want to know where our next meal is going to come from. We want to know that we have enough money in the bank to cover a bill. We want to know, this is security. That we can trust people with whom we've given our lives. Siblings, husbands, wives, parents. Security is something that each one of us pursues. Now in our gospel reading for today, security is really the concept that threads its way all through Jesus' teaching. In this bit that Judy read, which is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount... Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle of that, we have Jesus teaching on security. So Jesus' disciples, he's teaching them, and there's this extended discourse where Jesus does this contrast between values in the kingdom of God and values of the world around them. And it's in the middle of that context, that, that discourse, that Jesus offers this teaching that's really all about security. How would you define security? What, what would it mean for you to, to be secure? Comfort, safety. What are some of the words that we find in this gospel reading for today? Worry, anxiety, cares. All related to security, right? When we worry, if you dig deep into worry, at the root of worry is a desire for security. To know that something's going to turn out well. To know that a, that a, that a, a health diagnosis Is going to resolve and be treated. To know that to worry about a loved one who's struggling with addiction, praying and hoping that they'll get to a place of safety and well being. All of us pine for and long for security. And friends, it was no different in Jesus' day. We're not that far removed. The people in Jesus' day had the same. Cares and concerns. And in fact, when Jesus talks to them, I dare say probably none of you here have ever, maybe you have, but in the Western world, it's not all that common where a whole lot of people have to worry where their next meal is going to come from. Oh, sure, there is some of that in our world, absolutely, in our country. But in Jesus' day, it was almost everyone. They would live literally Meal to meal, most people in Jesus' day had only the clothes they were wearing. Talk about literally living day to day. And Jesus' disciples who had forsook everything to follow Him, talk about living day to day. So in that context of worry and concern, For security, Jesus starts to teach. And he contrasts these two systems. You cannot serve what? God and money. Now, I actually preferred, if you remember, the King James Version, the way that it renders that is mammon. Mammon. Which actually is a bit more accurate because it's about more than just money. Money. It's an entire system that Jesus is setting up in this contrast. You cannot serve God and the system of the world. All of its values, with all of its priorities, with its emphasis on money. On individuals providing and finding their own security. Follow me here on individuals finding and establishing their own security. You see, in the kingdom of God, in God, in that one system that Jesus sets up, individuals come in and God is the provider. God is the one who supplies and meets needs. God is the one in whom we find security, in the kingdom of God. And Jesus contrasts that with mammon, the system of the world, which in its economics, in its finances, is human-centered. And it's about individuals providing for themselves, establishing their own security, taking care of themselves out of their own resources. Within this system, the primary individual, the person who makes everything work, is the person, the human, the individual. In the kingdom of God, it's understood that everything flows from and back to a God who is generous and wants to care for His children and provide for them. Both God and mammon, it couldn't be more different. And Jesus sets, in a way, sets this choice before His disciples. I'm reminded of the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, where Joshua has led the people to the cusp of the promised land. And that 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 those famous words, choose this day who you will serve. In other words, what are you putting your confidence for security in? Is it God? Or what you can do in your own strength and your own power. And that thread, friends, weaves its way all through the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. And in fact, I think if, if you look at this covenant that God makes with Abraham, which is then ratified through the patriarchs, weaves its way through the, all, the new Test, all the Old Testament, and then Jesus with the new covenant into the New Testament, that thread is through all of it. It's people constantly wrestling with whether they find their security in God or in what they do in their own power. Think of the Israelites and Moses at Mount Sinai. Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments from God Himself. And what are the Israelites doing? Making an idol. idol Because they're worried. They're anxious. They're concerned. They don't feel secure in God. They don't trust His ability to provide for them. And so they take matters into their own hands, literally, as they fashion this golden calf. Over and over again, as they enter into the promised land, and then as judges, and then kings are established, and then the prophets come in, all the while, God's people are being called back in different ways by different people to faithfulness. And do you know why they strayed away in the first place? Because they took their eyes off the one who promised to give them what they needed just for the day, to lead them, to protect them, to be their security. And they look at the situations around them. When they take their eyes off of God and start looking at people around them, situations, conflict, battles, wars, not having enough food, not having enough water. That's when the trouble starts and they drift away from faithfulness to God as worry and anxiety causes them to find security in every other place but in God. Does any of that sound familiar? Oh my. I remember in January 2019 when I was in the hospital in rehab with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Paralyzed, couldn't move, laying there in the gurney in the emergency room. And I've only had a few moments and experiences like this in my life. But I I, I felt God's presence so powerfully and so palpably. And friends, maybe unless you've been there, it feels trite and rote and maybe pie in the sky sort of theology. But when you experience it, you know it's real that in the middle of life's darkest moments, when worry and anxiety seem suffocating, God can show up. And worry can turn into worship in a moment when the presence of God comes in. And I remember laying there, dealing with something that can be fatal. And I remember thinking in that moment, The word from the Lord's prayer. Give us today. Give us today. Just for today. Just for the moment. Just for this second that we're breathing. Just for today. God, I just need just that. I just need your presence, your power, your security. Just now. Just in this moment. And when I offered that, I felt the worry lift off and the worship could begin. Friends, there's a spiritual physics, there's laws to this that Jesus gets at. He's encountering people who are worried, who are concerned, who are trying to figure out security. And he says, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness, and then everything else will take care of itself. Friends, so often I think we don't get the pattern correct. We don't get our priorities in the right place. And we wonder why it feels at times that God is absent and not active in our lives. It's because, friends, there's, there's a pattern to this. We first seek God. We align our desires, our needs, our priorities with God's desires, needs, and priorities for us. And when we bring that into alignment with the will of God, then we find that the temporal concerns of life, food, drink, security, those things, they they may not disappear entirely. That's for sure. But perhaps we can approach them with a renewed sense of trust that the God who's brought us this far will be faithful, will continue the good work that he's done in us. Just like the disciples were given a choice, just like each of us, I'm sure, in a dark moment has had the choice to either surrender to God, or to instead rely on our own power and strength. Each of us this morning are given a choice. That just for today, just for today, where are we finding our security? Is it in God? Is it in His kingdom? Is it in those those principles that are established for those who are going to follow Him? faithfulness, goodness, being people of mercy, compassion, and care, aligning our desires with God's desires for us. That's what it means to be in the kingdom. Are we going to choose God? Or are we going to choose mammon? And instead, seek security on our own, apart from God. That's the choice presented to us. And one of the gifts that God gives us, and I really do believe this is a gift, is that God never forces us. God never twists our arm. God does not compel us because God wants our freedom of choice. God wants us to align with Him out of our own desire and volition. God does not want automatons or robots who follow Him out of no other reason than compulsion. God wants people who are surrendered, who are willing to turn worry into worship and find our security in Him and what He can do for us. So friends, this morning as we're thinking about stewardship, as we're thinking about stewarding all those things with which we've been entrusted, Where do we find our security? Are you worried this morning? Are you anxious about something? Are you desperately looking for security? Jesus told us, seek first God's kingdom. Keep your eyes on God. And friends, you just may find that just for today, you have Everything you need.
0: Amen.